Let's talk about anger management. Okay, I'm glad we're talking about this because I get a lot of phone calls from people that want anger management classes, or I get a phone call from a couple that that say their husband or their wife is just so angry. Kind of reminds me of that Tim McGraw song, uh, Why Are You So Angry All the Time? And, and so when I see couples, they often come in and present as very angry. Uh, and rightfully so, I think. They're not getting what they need in the relationship. They often feel misunderstood. And uh, what I've also seen is it's not very helpful if if we as clinicians start focusing on the anger directly. What I've seen is that it doesn't. it's not very helpful if we start taking sort of top-down, skills-based approach to anger, because I think it misses, and this is the point of our conversation today, it misses two things. It misses the functions that the anger serve in the relationship. And so we're going to drill down and we're going to move sort of past the skills-based training type of approach to anger management. And instead, especially within the context of relationship, we're going to talk about the functions that anger serves within that relationship and the unmet needs that are behind them. Because that is often, at least in my experience, is what I have seen really drive the anger even more. So the top-down anger management approach usually is a skill-based approach. It involves things like teaching people how to suppress or distract their anger. So if when you feel yourself getting angry, stop, count to 10 before you respond, or try to distract yourself uh, focusing on something else. Uh, It might involve some deep breathing exercises. Uh, It might involve some body-based exercises, helping the person become more aware of when the the body is responding and the physiology is responding with anger and what that that is like from a body based perspective like think about it from a th- like a thermometer that sort of is rising uh, up up because the heat outside is causing the the mercury inside to rise up and the temperature increases can we notice that in our body uh, and then there are also skills based which are sort of cognitive restructuring so are you thinking about something in a in a rigid sort of way? Are you are you applying the rules of always or never to this situation? You must always act this way. You must always get people to like you. You must always respond with kindness, so on and so forth. Um, and, and so, a lot of those skill based are sort of cognitive, top down type of of management techniques. And some of them can be helpful, and some of them can definitely be helpful in the short term. But what I've seen is that in the context of a relationship and working with couples, oftentimes their anger is being driven uh, as a function of what is missing for them in the relationship. And there's really two primary functions. There is uh, anger serves a protective function, or it serves a protest function. 
And so we're going to talk about those two different functions that anger can serve in the life of a relationship. But right before we do that, I want to talk about just anger as an emotion itself. Anger is what we call a primary emotion, meaning it is it is written into our DNA. It is often a primary response to uh, to a situation, uh, much like sadness is a primary response to loss. Anger is a primary response to feeling something is unjust. Uh, that could be everything from being falsely accused of something uh, to feeling misunderstood to feeling somebody has your intentions wrong, so on and so forth. But this, there's this unjustness that sort of is baked into our, our being, and anger is often a response to that. Um, anger is not always bad. Uh, matter of fact, there is a healthy and an unhealthy anger. So if we think about anger on a continuum from everything from, say, mild annoyance to outright rage, uh, that's sort of where anger falls. Anger often is unhealthy when we are using it to right or wrong, but it has become dominant in our, our thinking and our feeling, and it is no longer a on some level justifiable, so to speak. So maybe our response is much bigger, very disproportionate to the situation. So if my spouse has a tone with me and I respond with this large, uh, angry response, well, that's really kind of disproportionate to the situation. Her tone, might I might not have liked it. It might have felt... Um, condescending to me. It might have felt like she was treating me like a child. It, it might have evoked all these feelings in me that I didn't like. And so as a result, I sort of respond in this angry response, but it's not a justifiable angry. Uh, a healthy type of angry looks more like assertion. When we assert ourselves to right or wrong, we do so in a way that is not not over the top. It is not disproportionate to a situation, but is very much synced with our our thoughts. And so it's not. It doesn't sort of take over our brain where we're now only operating from our angry limbic system portion, but rather we're operating with the full functions of our brain because we've integrated it with our prefrontal cortex, which is our ability to reason, think logically, have empathy for others. So a healthy type of anger, when we're talking about this continuum, as I mentioned earlier, is really a, a how can I assert myself to feel more heard, to feel more understood, to express myself better, to right a wrong that I feel like is unjust here, but not in an over-the-top disproportionate way, but rather in an assertive way. And so anger as an emotion itself can be healthy and it can be unhealthy. Most of the times when we talk about anger management, we're talking about unhealthy anger, anger that seems disproportionate to a situation, a person that seems angry all the time. You have to walk on eggshells around them. I know my couples have often expressed that where one partner feels 
my gosh, I can't say or do anything without upsetting this person. They get mad, they raise their voice, they yell, um, and they just they're angry all the time. And so there's an unhealthy side of that anger, but then a healthy side of the anger, and I think this is important to emphasize, it's not as if we should not ever be angry. It's just that we need to be able to manage our anger and understand the function of our anger so that we can best integrate it with our thoughts and we are able to respond and not just react. Because when we react, we're simply letting our anger take over and we are often acting uh, in a disproportionate way to the situation. Oftentimes, we end up shooting ourselves in the foot because we end up creating a situation that's worse than, than what our actual goal is, which is to make something better. So one of the things we talk a lot about with couples is how can we de-escalate and learn to de-escalate when we have ruptures in the relationship. When we start to have conflict as a couple and it starts to become escalated, oftentimes it's because anger will take over and it's this reactive anger. It's not a responsive anger. And as such, we end up escalating that argument as opposed to learning to de-escalate. So anger is not always a bad thing. It is a primary emotion. It is a, uh, a sort of baked into our DNA. There are things that should evoke our anger. When we hear about uh, something that is unjust, when we see somebody treated in an unjust way, we should get mad about that. That should make us angry, not in a, in, in a way that we're going to go over and punch somebody, because again, that's more like a rage. Um, it's, it, it needs to be a response that's going to best help the situation and, and right or wrong in that sense. And oftentimes, violence is a reactive rage that is not a reasoned response. So let's, let's drill in for just a moment. Let's talk about the two different functions of anger, especially in the life of a relationship, and especially as this uh, impacts trauma, because we talk a lot about trauma and relationships. So the first function is what we call protection. And protection, what I mean by that is it shows up in the relationship by putting up walls, by shutting down, by raising our voice or having a quick trigger. Um, and, and so we often use our anger because something is behind the anger that is more vulnerable. So we put up walls, we get mad, uh, we feel like we can't solve a problem in our relationship. We keep running into the same problem over and over and over with our partner. And, and as such, that, that can trigger our, our anger and, and, and oftentimes rage. And so we respond with that as opposed to the more vulnerable or softer emotions that are behind the anger. So emotions never come by themselves. They're always usually linked to another emotion. Oftentimes when we get triggered, if we find ourselves responding with anger, uh, there's usually something behind the anger that we're trying to protect that is more soft, more vulnerable, that is more elusive. We're often not aware of what it might be. We just know we're mad. And so we respond with this anger. But if you get people to slow down, if you get people to 
to understand what's what function that anger is serving, then oftentimes they're able to look behind that angry response and realize that, oh, what I really was is I felt I felt ashamed or I felt embarrassed. My partner pointed something out and and that I had done wrong and 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 I felt embarrassed by that. And so as opposed to me being able to lean in to that sense of, oh gosh, that was kind of a foolish thing to do, or I simply made a mistake. A lot of people can't tolerate that feeling and hold on to that feeling in order to react and respond from that feeling, but rather they'll quickly move into a protective anger, which is the function it's serving, because it's serving to protect that more vulnerable emotion. So that is one of the functions that anger can serve in the life of a relationship. And this is especially true when or if our trauma gets triggered. When we find that our trauma has been triggered, oftentimes we'll respond with anger because that is such a vulnerable, scary thing to do. There's a lot of fear in being able to get close to that traumatic response and, and it feels like we are now reliving what we went through the first time. And so it, it seems like it, it empowers us to be angry. It empowers us to respond with anger to our partner when we get triggered because somehow that doesn't feel as vulnerable as sitting with, with this vulnerable, um, sometimes helpless, sometimes hopeless response of not knowing what to do in our in our sadness or in our shame or in a variety of other feelings that might come with that so um so the first function that anger serves is the function of protection we use it to protect ourselves against other vulnerable feelings or we use it to protect ourselves against feelings of inferiority or feelings of of ineffectiveness in the relationship. So one of the things I've seen when we talk about anger as protection is in the life of a relationship, and research bears this out, there are many, many issues that couples come across that are just simply unresolvable. What that means is you can't sit down, talk through it, and, and tie it up in a nice little bow and say, you know what, we're, we're so on the same page here right now. We feel just totally in sync. I don't think this is an issue for us anymore. I think we can set this on the shelf and not worry about this issue. The, that, that's actually a very large percentage of issues in the life of a couple that they're able to resolve them and then not have to deal with them and worry about them anymore. One of the examples I use is when we talk about sex in the life of the couple. So the, the sex life uh, in, in the couple, uh, when they first begin, looks very different five years in, or 10 years, or 15. It takes on a very different look and feel after children uh, for, the, for one partner, if not for both partners, for sure. So oftentimes, you have to renegotiate um, this aspect of your lives um, uh, as, you're, as you're moving through life together. Um, biologies change, especially for women after childbirth. Um, but for men too, you can take on tremendous amount of stress at work. So maybe you just, your libido is not the same. You don't have the same sex drive as you did before. Sometimes there's a mismatch 
of sex drives in the relationship. Uh, and that can go through different seasons. So uh, one partner might want it more than the other, and then in another season of life, the other partner might want it more. So I use this as an example that oftentimes there are issues in the relationship that we have to manage. And and what what the research shows is that those couples that are successful know that they have to learn how to manage these unresolvable issues um, and that they're probably not going to come to a perfect solution so that they can completely resolve it. But what that means is that oftentimes when we run back into this issue over and over in the relationship, anger can serve the function of protection because it makes us feel incompetent. And so when we feel incompetent, that's, that's a vulnerable feeling. And what anger does is it empowers us to once again try to work on this and force a solution somehow. And oftentimes what that does is it trips us up and it escalates the conflict even more. So learning how to de-escalate, learning how to be assertive and to speak from your unmet needs in the relationship, learning how to manage and address issues in the relationship that aren't going to easily go away is what I have found a much better way to tackle anger management in in the life of the couple and in the relationship. So I want to add that bit as well, because there's an incompetent piece that anger serves to protect us from when we keep running back into issues over and over and over. Now, the second function that anger serves is that of protest. And what I mean is that oftentimes when partners are feeling disconnected, they aren't feeling as close, uh, their attachment bond is, is straining in the relationship, oftentimes anger will come out as protest. And it might look different for different partners. One partner might use a very assertive almost aggressive type anger where they're coming at the other partner. They're trying to get the partner to engage. They're trying to understand that they're feeling disconnected. They need empathy. They need validation. They need that emotional attunement piece. And so they're, they're sort of turning up the heat on the partner to try to get what they need. And, and often behind that anger, that, that aggressive type of assertive anger is this feeling of disconnection, and it is serving as a protest to try to get their attachment needs met. Now, for the other partner, they might protest in a very different way. They might protest by um, by acquiescing, by um, going along with the partner, whatever it is they want to do. Uh, they might protest by sort of not talking, not opening up, because that makes them feel very vulnerable. So their quietness might be a protest. They might find themselves shutting down or emotionally removing themselves from the conversation when they get triggered as a way to, one, yes, protect themselves, but two, to also protest that they're not getting their needs met either. But the protest can look like a very quiet, um, slow, soft compliance for their partner. And so, when we're protesting that we're not getting our needs met, it's tricky because it can look very different in each partner's. And that's where somebody who's trained in couples therapy, who's done extensive training in that field, can be able to recognize, oh, 
you're protesting in your own way. You're trying to protect your partner. You're trying to protect the relationship because you don't want to fight and argue. Rather, it feels safer to you to shut down because then we get along better. That makes sense to me. In some ways, you are protecting your partner, you're protecting the relationship, and you're protesting um, in your own subtle way that you want to be more close and connected to your partner as well. So what I've often found is that whether it's protection, protecting a more vulnerable emotion, whether it's the form of protesting, letting our partner know that, that we're feeling disconnected, the attachment bond is, is bending a little bit, it's fraying a little bit at the edges, that, that anger often shows up as a predominant emotion in the life of the couples that can serve these two different functions. And ultimately, what happens is there's an unmet need behind these functions. When I have worked with couples, Often, when we get behind the function of the anger and we get to the unmet need, somehow the anger begins to dissipate. When I have one partner be able to turn to the other partner and say, I know you're upset, I can see your anger, and I want to be closer to you as well. I I, want to hear you, I want to understand where you're coming from, and I want to get past you just being angry with me, and I want to be able to, to really understand your perception of this relationship because you are important to me. When I can get one partner to say something like that to another partner, what you see is this this anger just dissipates and falls away. And all of a sudden, they're now able to get in touch with their more vulnerable feelings, and they are able to communicate better the unmet need they have in the relationship. And as such, they can begin to rebuild and reconnect to their partner. So I think it's important to think about the functions of anger not and, and the, the, the functions it serves in the life of a relationship. I, I think this is true not just in romantic relationships, which is primarily what I deal with. I also think this is true in all kinds of relationships, whether it's true with your best friend, whether it's true in some of your work relationships with your colleagues. Anger often shows up and serves one of these two functions. And so when we start talking about anger management, I want us to I want to challenge the conception a little bit that it's always sort of a top-down skills-based um, cure, but rather there's something from the bottom up where it serves a function for us in trying to get our needs met in our closest relationships, but certainly in all our relationships as well. Hey, I hope you liked this video today. I hope this shed a little bit different light when we start talking about anger and anger management, especially within the context of trauma and relationships. If you like this video, be sure and follow us and hit the bell notification so you'll get the next video that comes out. Be sure and follow us on your 
favorite podcasting streaming service. And don't forget that we've got an absolutely free assessment that you can take, and the link is down below um, on both platforms, that you can take this free assessment, and it covers the five areas of your relationship that trauma impacts. And then it also follows up with a work work you and your partner can begin to work through. Hey, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.